Hello, thank you for listening to Kingdom Exhortations, and welcome to 2019. My name is Stephen. I've been blessed to be a part of Kingdom Discipleship staff. I actually handle all of our ministry's IT work, and with the help of John's daughter Kristen, we'll be bringing you some new offerings. This year, we're excited to share with you some extended exhortations. These will be longer teachings where we'll take different parts of Scripture and John will break them down for you. I've been under John's teachings for six years, and I've truly found them to be the biggest blessings of my life. John's teaching style lends towards personal life application, whereas most teachings I hear are more related to belief, which is important, but our lives need to be about living for Christ. If you listen to these teachings and apply them, I believe you'll be blessed. Well, good morning. This is going to be a, a new style teaching that we're doing. Our typical kingdom exhortations have been about six or seven minutes. Folks have enjoyed them. But uh, thanks to my wife, my lovely wife, May, to uh, my sister-in-law, Learn, who made these suggestions, and uh, close family friend, uh, Miss Gwenda, all uh, wonderful lovely ladies from uh, the country of Singapore. We've had requests for longer teachings, so this is going to be the first of those, and hopefully it'll bless you. So we're just going to get right into it. One of the things in the scriptures that I've seen that we miss a lot is that when we read the scriptures, we read them like the scriptures are telling us a story, right? So today we're going to talk about Jesus turning water into wine, and for most of us, it's just a wonderful story with the miracle, Jesus' first miracle of uh, turning water to wine. In Romans 15, uh, verse 4, Paul says that everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, not simply to tell us a story. So when we read the scriptures, we ought to look for what is in there to instruct us or to teach us, not simply just to tell us a nice story. Similarly, 1 Corinthians 10 verse 11 says that whatever was written in the past was written as an example to us. So as we move into you know, this story, in, uh, it's John 2 verses 1 through 11. For Christians who've been in church for any length of time or been reading their Bible, this will be a very familiar story. Um, but I expect by the end of this time, you'll, you'll see it in a different light. And hopefully when you do your own Bible reading and Bible study, you'll begin to do it in a manner where you can look into it and see what's there to, to teach you, not just to, to tell you a nice story. So we'll just get right into it. I'm going to go ahead and read it, and then we'll, uh, we'll walk through it together. Let me say a quick prayer. Father, we do invite you into this time. We thank you again for your mercy and goodness on our lives. Father, we pray that you'd give us eyes to see into the word of God today and ears that hear. Father, help us to see what you'd have us to see, Lord. We commit this time into your hands. We thank you for it. And Father, above all, we thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray, amen and amen. 
Very well, okay. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. This, the first of his miraculous signs, Jesus performed in Cana of Galilee. He thus revealed his glory, and his disciples put their faith in him. So it's, again, it's a well-known story. Again, most of us who have been Christians or been in church or read our Bible have read it perhaps hundreds of times. So let's look at it this time, and let's look at it, and what does it have to teach us? What, is it, what are the examples it has for us? You remember Hebrews 13 verse 8 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we can be sure when we see the character of God in the scriptures that how he behaved then is how he'll behave now. So the variable is not God. God is always going to love us. His love never changes. God is always going to bless us. He'll never leave us or forsake us. The variable is us. So, in verse 1, it says that Jesus and his disciples had been invited to a wedding and they went. In verse 1 and 2. In verse 3, it says that they have a problem, right? Verse 3 said, when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine, okay? So, Mary has a problem, right? And if you notice, it's not her problem. You know, it's someone else's problem, but... She apparently has a heart to intercede on behalf of others. So right away in verse 3, you know, we can ask ourselves, do we have this kind of heart? When there's a problem that really has nothing to do with us, are we willing to get involved? Are we willing to, to try to help and see what we can do to make the situation better? Mary apparently has this heart. Where does she go? Okay. When we have problems, whether they're our own or whether when other people have problems, where do we go with our problems? Mary's at a wedding. There are undoubtedly a lot of people here. And it says in verse 3, she went to Jesus and says they have no more wine. So she brings her problem to Jesus. Okay? So what we see here is that when we have problems, when we have difficulties, uh, most of us go a lot of places, right? What is your first inclination? Where is your heart to go initially when you have issues, when you have difficulties, when you have problems? Most of us will go, you know, to various places. If we're depressed, we might, we might go to the liquor bottle, right? 
you know, if we just want to disconnect, we might go to Netflix, right? We might go to Facebook. We might go to Instagram. We, we go a lot of places with our problems. We might go to our pastor. We might go to our mom. We, you know, we might go to our friends. What this shows us is that when we have a problem, the one who can truly help us is Jesus, right? Mary goes to Jesus with this problem, okay, and says they have no more wine, Now, if you notice verse 4, Jesus says, Dear woman, why do you involve me? Sometimes when you go to Jesus with a problem, he may not initially give you the answer that you were expecting or desiring, right? He He may put you off. Now, why would he do that? Why does he say this to her? Why doesn't he just say, hey, okay, I'll handle it, no problem. But he clearly is telling her, you know what, what's this have to do with me? You know, I don't, I don't own a wine vineyard. You know, why are you bringing me into this? So he's rejecting her, right? Dear woman, why do you involve me? Now ask yourself the question, if, if Mary simply says, oh, I'm sorry, Jesus, you know, I know this has got nothing to do with you and just walks away, clearly this miracle doesn't happen. This story never comes to pass, water never gets changed to wine. And, and, you know, for all of history, we don't have this. And the nice couple that got married doesn't get this extra wine, right? You notice when Jesus says, dear woman, why do you involve me? Mary is not deterred, right? Uh, she's not going to take no for an answer. He's actually going to reject her a second time with a very powerful statement. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My time has not yet come. That's verse 4. The end of verse 4, he says, my time has not yet come. So he gives her her two statements to say, you know, I'm not going to do this for you. Sometimes when we go to Jesus, sometimes when we do invite Jesus into a situation, we may not again get the answer we're looking for. Most of us who've been in the faith have been, uh, been fond of that statement that when we pray for something and it doesn't happen, we'll often say, well, I, I guess it wasn't God's time. Well, apparently God's timetable can sometimes be changed because in verse four, Jesus says, my time has not yet come. And yet when Mary presses in, when Mary perseveres, when Mary won't take no for an answer, God's timetable is changed. So what we learn here is that we can often change the timetable of God if we're willing to be like Mary is here. When you have a problem, again, where do you go with it? In the future, this day, this week, this month, when you have an issue, whether it's at work, whether it's at home, whether it's at church, whether it's with your family, whether it's whomever it's with, whether it's your problem or someone else's, Do what Mary does here and go directly to Jesus. Apparently, Mary knows somebody at this wedding named Jesus who she firmly believes can help her with her problem. Just as a side note, I've often said this. Most of us as Christians have complete faith that Jesus can do anything. Our faith is never in what he can do. Even in this story, most people have read this story and they find it miraculous that Jesus turned the water into wine. Well, most of us as Christian believers, well, we knew that Jesus could do this. We knew that Jesus can do anything. 
right? He's God. So Jesus is God. So for him to turn water to wine to us is not any big thing because we believe he can do anything. If we look into our heart, the truth is we never lack faith in what Jesus can do, but most of us lack faith in what he will do. For me, I'm never unsure about what Jesus can do, but I'm often unsure about what he will do, right? And when he, when Mary goes to Jesus here, you know, she's going to him with a request and initially he's putting her off saying, I'm not doing it. Dear woman, why do you involve me? My time has not yet come, but Mary's not having it. Okay. She expects Jesus to move on her behalf and she's going to persevere. And that's our encouragement today. The number one thing we need to do when we have something going on in our lives with ourselves or others is number one, invite Jesus into it, right? And then if we don't get the answer we want right away, persevere like, uh, like Mary did, okay? Verse five, in response to Jesus saying, why do you involve me? Basically saying, this has nothing to do with me. And then saying, my time has not yet come. Mary ignores his rejections. Verse 5, his mother said to the servants, quote, do whatever he tells you. And just as a side note, uh, John 2 verse 5 is the finest advice any mother, any parent, any of us can give to anyone ever. Think about what his mother said here. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. The greatest advice you can ever give to anyone at any time is to do whatever Jesus tells you, right? That's a good mother. When we're talking to our children, the greatest advice you can give them, do whatever Jesus tells you. Verse 5, his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Verse 6, nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. If I'm not mistaken, a gallon of water weighs eight pounds. So 30 gallons is 240 pounds. Uh, forgive me, I don't know what, uh, what that is in the metric system for those listening in other countries. 240 pounds, six of them, right? So what is that, 1,440 pounds of water? Um, I have an assistant here helping me named Stephen, and uh, apparently, so actually 1,440 pounds, Stephen looked it up, is 653 kilograms. Um, very good. Verse 7, now, now watch here closely what happens. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. If you notice the progression of the story, the first thing that happens is there's a problem. What do we do when we have a problem, our own or someone else's, is we need to go to Jesus. Mary goes directly to Jesus. And then when we get to Jesus, we may not get the answer from him we're looking for right away. So we need to persevere. We need to press in. Those two things happen. But now in verse 7, this doesn't make sense to me, right? Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. Now, obviously 2,000 years ago, um, they didn't have a you know, they didn't have an electric hose. They didn't have a way to, to just automatically fill these with water. So they would undoubtedly have to take gallon buckets and, and pour them into these huge jars, right? 
And you're not going to be able to move the jar, right? You're not going to be able to move a 240-pound jar of water. So what I'm saying is this is a time-consuming exhortation by Jesus. When he says fill the jars with water, six large, massive containers with 30 gallons each, this is, a, this is going to take a long time, right? And it doesn't make sense, right? If I was the servants, I would have said something like, um, I'm sorry, man. What's your name? I guess it's your name's Jesus, right? I'd have said, um, Jesus, I don't, I mean, maybe you didn't hear the lady, but, but they have plenty of water. Okay. Uh, the lady said they don't have any more wine. Okay. They got plenty of water. It's, it's wine that we're, we're, we're running out of. So you want me to do this four hour job of, filling up all these jars with water and, you know, they don't need any more water, bro. I would have said something like that because frankly, and I confess when, when Jesus asks me to do things that don't make sense, I often don't do them. Ask yourself the question, when Jesus says to the servants, fill the jars with water, if they do what I often do and they say, Jesus, it doesn't make sense. They don't need any water. Does this miracle happen? If the servants don't obey Jesus, does the miracle happen? And the answer is obviously no, it does not. So what do we see there? We see that when we do press into Jesus, he may often ask us to do some things that don't make sense. And if we don't obey him, we will not receive our blessing. But if we'll obey Jesus and we'll do what he tells us to do, even when it's difficult, even when it doesn't make sense, we may get a blessing on the other side of that, that that we could never imagine, right? Like having water turned to wine, something that had never been done before, right? So they obey him. It says they went and they filled them to the brim, right? So if you picture this scene, right, I thought of myself in here, right? I just finished however long it took me, right? I don't know how many servants there were. Let's say there were three servants. Each one of them has to go down to the water, fill up a gallon bucket, carry it back, pour it into the container. If there's three servants, each one has to do that 10 times each for each container, right? That's, that's 60 trips with the bucket. It's a tiring, arduous instruction, right? Now all six of them are filled to the brim. I'd be going back to Jesus and saying, um, all right, man, there they are. They're all filled up. You got, uh, you got 180 gallons of water. Appreciate the instruction because uh, we still don't have any wine, but we got this 180 gallons of water. That's how I communicate with the Lord when when things don't make sense to me. You notice Jesus just gives the instruction, right? They can either comply with it or not. And it's the same with us. When Jesus gives us instructions, we can either choose to comply or not, right? And by the mercy of God, it says they filled them to the brim. Verse 8, Jesus gives them another instruction that doesn't make sense. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. Again, when I put myself in this situation, I think I would say to Jesus, um, listen, man, you want me to take this to, to my boss, 
the master of the banquet, who's been stressed now for I don't know how long because uh, they're running out of wine or they're out of wine. And you want me to walk up to them with a glass of water. Um, uh, man, I'm not doing that. He's going to, you know, he'll kill me. He's going to, he's going to fire me. He's going to be, he's going to be extremely angry with me and want to know why I'm handing him this glass of water when he's told me clearly they don't have wine. I don't, I don't know, Jesus, why I got to keep telling you it's, it's wine they don't have, bro. Okay. They got plenty of water. I don't know why I got to keep saying that to you. This is how I act with Jesus. Once again, he asks the servants to do something that doesn't make sense, right? And by faith, we're going to often have to obey Jesus in times where it's not sensible, in times where we can't figure out why he's asking us to do that. But again, if we'll simply obey Jesus with a simple and obedient faith, you will see blessings in your lives that are incalculable. Verse 9, probably the three most important words in here, it says, they did so. They obeyed Jesus. The servants went and said, very well. Draws out a cup of water. And somewhere, as that servant is walking from where he took the water out of the jars, all the way back to where he's going to bring it to the master of the banquet, the miracle happens. They did so. And the master of the banquet, verse 9, tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. When we look at this story and we ask ourselves, why is this in the Bible? We can see here, we see things that this story is not in the Bible just to give us facts that Jesus did miracles. When we're studying the scriptures, what we're looking for in the scriptures is, is not what happened, but how did it happen? Because again, if Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then the principles here in this historical account of this wedding, how Jesus moved here is how he'll move in your life, right? And then you notice the story ends with the master saying, verse 10, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink, but you have saved the best till now. Apparently when Jesus does a blessing, when Jesus changes something, he changes it for the better, right? When Jesus gets involved you're going to have a blessing that like you never could have imagined if you'll simply make Jesus a part of it. So concluding, when you leave today, be like this woman, Mary, be like Jesus's mother. When something comes up in your life today and it can be good, you can perceive it as negative. You can have a problem. Someone else can have a problem. Let the first thing you do is invite Jesus into it. Go find Jesus. Mary has a problem here, and she knows somebody that can help with her problem, and so do you. Jesus Christ can help with any problem you have or with anyone else has, and you notice this isn't even a big problem. This isn't life or death. Jesus wants to help you in your little things. He wants to, to walk with you 
through things that are important to you. Now, of course, the big issues he wants to help with, right? The life or death issues, the, the financial issues, but even the little things, right? Things that are important to you or important to someone else. Let the first thing you do today is invite Jesus into the situation. Go to Jesus in prayer and say, Lord Jesus, I invite you into my situation. I invite you into this difficulty. I invite you into this difficulty of my coworker. And then if Jesus doesn't give you the answer right away, let's say he rejects you. You know, you're not getting the answer you're looking for. Make sure you have faith. When Jesus says, why do you involve me? My time has not yet come. Obviously, he already knew he was going to do this. So why does he do that to Mary? Why would he say, why do you involve me? My time has not yet come. When, of course, he already knows he's going to do this for her. Are you following that? He clearly rejects her, but why would he do that when he already knows that he's going to do what she's asking? And the answer to that, of course, is he's not saying this for himself. He's saying this for her. He's saying this for us. Oftentimes, he's wanting to test us to see if we're going to persevere and continue to press in. You remember the story of the persistent widow in the scriptures. So when you go to Jesus and you do invite him into the situation, you may have to do it, you know, for a period of time. You may have to continue to pray. You may have to continue to press into Jesus before your blessing will come, right? And then there's a good chance when you press into Jesus, he may give you some instructions, right? He may ask you to do something, do whatever he tells you, verse five, right? And sometimes it may not make sense, right? In this story, it, it doesn't make sense what he told them to do. When Jesus gives you instructions and tells you to do something, he generally is not going to tell you why. He doesn't give these servants an explanation as to why he's telling them to fill them with water. He just tells them to do it. And by faith, they're going to have to obey Jesus even when it doesn't make sense. So when you press into Jesus and you keep pressing in, even though you're not getting the answer you're looking for, if he asks you to obey him in something, even if it doesn't make sense, by faith, obey what Jesus is telling you to do. And remember, the greatest advice you can give in the history of the world, his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you, right? Our entire lives can be summed up that you want to be blessed, do whatever Jesus tells you. When your children come to you, do whatever Jesus tells you, right? Walk by faith. When Jesus comes to you and tells you to do something, whether it makes sense or not, go ahead and obey him. Go ahead and fill those jars with water, okay? And then when they're all filled up and it still doesn't make sense and he says, go ahead and draw some out, just go ahead and simply obey Jesus. These aren't complicated instructions. Really, the vast majority of instructions that Jesus gives us in the word of God and even personally, when he speaks to us, they're not complicated. They're, they're really quite simple. And our job is just to, by faith, just obediently do whatever he tells you. Verse 5, do whatever he tells you. And if we'll do that, we'll come out of this situation. We'll come out of this, this time. Mary here. Mary is used to be a blessing to the, we're not told who these, who these people are that were having this wedding, but undoubtedly it was important to them that they had this wine. 
And Mary is used to bring this blessing about. But again, when we read this story before, often all we saw was that Jesus did this miracle. But what we see is this this tremendous principle here that based on Mary's inclination to get Jesus involved in the situation and her willingness to persevere and not take no for an answer, she changes the timetable of God and the blessing comes into the life of these people. And I'll say again, when you look at Mary's heart, she's not even asking for herself. And so let that be a part of your life today. Invite Jesus into what's going on in your life or in the lives of others. Press in, persevere. If you don't get the answer you're looking for, keep inviting him in. Keep praying. Keep praising him. Keep thanking him. Keep keep bringing Jesus into the situation. And then when he gives you again, when he gives you some things to do, just obey him whether they make sense or not. And you'll have testimonies in your life similar to this one. Verse 11, this the first of his miraculous signs Jesus performed in Canaan and Galilee. He wants, to, he wants to do miraculous signs in our lives, in your life. But we have to be willing to, to do what Mary did. We have to bring Jesus into the situation. And his, he'll reveal his glory to you. There are times in most of our lives as Christians where we get a little clearer sight of Jesus when he reveals his glory to us. And our faith is increased. It says his disciples put their faith in him. Well, Lord Jesus, we do thank you for this time. We thank you for your mercy on our lives. We thank you for this, uh, this amazing story in John 2 verses 1 through 11. Lord, we thank you that uh, we thank you that we can see this principle, Lord, of how you moved uh, at this wedding, how you responded to uh, to Mary's perseverance, pressing in. And uh, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to do the same. Um, Lord, we thank you that you are all powerful. Lord Jesus, you. Uh, you did this miracle, and, and from what we can see, you never even got up off the ground. <laughs> Lord, as a matter of fact, the only words we have here from you are, Dear woman, why do you involve me? My time has not yet come. Fill the jars with water. Now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. Lord, you said four small sentences. We thank you that, that, that the power of God, Lord, that you move in, is available to us if we will simply invite you into our lives, invite you into our situations, invite you into our difficulties, invite you into the lives and difficulties of others. Help us, Lord Jesus, to persevere if we don't get the answer we're looking for right away. And Lord, help us to obey the things you ask us to do, even if they don't make sense. And Lord Jesus, we look forward to you doing a a miracle in our lives, Lord. Help us to persevere, Lord, that we, that we might get the blessings that you have for us, Lord. And above all, Lord, help us to walk out verse 5. Help us to do whatever you tell us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to Kingdom Exhortations. 
For more information about our ministry, please visit www.kingdomd.org.